Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome to Vegan Food and Living's Simply Vegan podcast with me, Holly Johnson, and my co-host, Gabriella Clark. With a new episode live every Tuesday, we discuss the latest vegan news, taste test the newest vegan products, and chat to some of the leading names in veganism. Hi everyone, welcome to our final No Meat May episode. Well done to anyone who's stuck it out and gone without meat or gone vegan for this month. Please keep going. Please keep listening to the Simply Vegan podcast. We are here for you. We are here to support you with uh, loads of tips. And uh, this week we will be returning to doing our product reviews because there's loads of new products launching in time for summer. So how was your week, Gabriella? It was lovely. Thanks, Holly. I managed to sneak off with my partner for a little baby moon. So a couple of nights away before uh, baby's imminent arrival. So we um, went to Brighton for a couple of days, which was just wonderful. And we were very lucky with the weather. Before this whole stormy thing happened then, yeah? (laughs) I think we timed it perfectly especially since we went whilst the restrictions were still limited to only eating outside we were so lucky to have good weather oh thank god for that Mm. so did you eat any nice vegan food that's what we want to know I ate so much delicious vegan food I was so impressed I'm actually from um not far from Brighton actually but haven't been for a couple of years and I was so impressed with how many cool vegan places there were and then even if the places weren't 100% vegan really innovative vegan options. Brighton is such a good place for vegans isn't it? 
it's amazing it's not even like uh you feel you've you're you've kind of got the second option or you're a second thought really innovative stuff on the menu even as I say if it's not a vegan restaurant couple of highlights um I was absolutely over the moon down the road from our Airbnb to find um a bakery that all their croissants were just vegan no way and I have to say pre-being vegan going out in the morning for a coffee and a croissant was a real treat for me something I love to do and to be able to get a vegan pan of chocolate, a vegan coconut and almond croissant was really a, a big treat. So, um, yeah, really, really happy to have found that it was from a bakery called the Flower Pot Bakery. And I think they've got a couple of sites around Brighton and Hove. So definitely check them out. Yum. Coconut and almond sounds so good. I've, I mean, I've had the vegan croissants from like Tesco's and Sainsbury's, but then they're, they're not, they're very <laughs> packets. Uh, yeah, these were, these were good. Like treating yourself to a croissant from a bakery pre-vegan times. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really nice. Um, we also went to a lovely coffee shop in the lanes called 17 Grams. And whilst they're not 100% vegan, they did a breakfast smoky tempeh roll. And oh, I think wow. we talked about tempeh a couple of episodes ago. Um, and it was served in a kind of vegan herby focaccia roll with avocado mousse, hash brown, garlic mayo and hummus. It was delicious. Gabriella, say say avocado mousse again. That just sounds <laughs> amazing. What is avocado mousse? It was, I mean, I couldn't tell you how it was made, but it was so light and creamy. And, you know, I was just really impressed to see something like that on the menu alongside, you know, bacon and egg sausage uh, breakfast roll or halloumi and bacon, you know, different options for meat and dairy eaters I was really happy to see something that didn't feel like a a second thought for us yeah yeah. the amount of times I've paid like you know 10 quid for avocado on toast is Mm -hmm. and and you get it and you're looking at everyone else's and you're thinking seriously 10 pound for a bit of toast and avocado (laughs) I know I totally know what you mean um so yeah those were breakfast was definitely highlights and then um we also one of the evenings resting my weary pregnant feet we decided to get a delivery and we got purezza um oh, I don't know if you've them. heard of them yeah they're yeah. in there in London and also in Brighton so we got one of their delicious vegan pizzas on delivery um but yeah just on the whole stopping off at uh, places where they had all vegan donuts or we popped into an amazing uh, vegan supermarket actually that had such a huge array of um, different foods, drinks, toiletries, household cleaning products, plus a vegan pick and mix, which was quite a treat for the journey home. Um, I believe that supermarket was called Kindly in the Seven Dials area of Brighton. So if anyone's local, definitely check it out. Wow, it sounds like a really indulgent weekend. And uh, yeah, I've I've been to Brighton once. Um, I don't know why, because I've lived in the southwest my whole life. But yeah, I've just, just only been the once. And we went to a 
vegan sushi place called Happy Maki. Um, yes, I saw that and ha- had it highly recommended, but we just didn't have time to fit it in. Was it good? Yeah, so we came across them at Camp Bestival, which is held near, not too far from where I live, um, at Lulworth Castle. Well, I say every, I was going to say every year, but obviously not with COVID, but hopefully this year it'll be on again. Um, and they've had a food truck there and oh my God, out of this world. So that you take the nori wrap, then they do the sushi rice and then it's kind of like um, toasted coconut, um, hoisin sauce, avocado, sweet potato. They did like a mock duck, um, mock chicken, like literally everything you can think of in rolled up in the sushi roll. And oh, it's just incredible. So you have that when you go sounds- next, you have to try it amazing I have to say we were only there for two nights and the list of things that we had on our uh, you know in our notes on our phone of places that we wanted mostly to eat and drink at was far longer than the amount of meals we would have to cover there so I'd (laughs) definitely be going back um so yeah if you're if you're vegan or you're listening to us and you're in and around the Brighton area lucky you so many amazing places Definitely. Well, my week has not been anywhere near as glamorous as yours or exciting. However, I am quite excited to share that my dog is now vegan. (laughs) Um, Wow. Tell me more. Yeah. So it's been something that's been on my mind for a while. And I know when, when people, you know, have been vegan a little while, um, they, you kind of start to think, you know, am I comfortable having meat in the house? No. Am I comfortable buying meat? No. Mm. Um, you know, am I comfortable buying it for my pet? Well, you know, dogs need meat, right? So um, over the last year or two, I've obviously researched it. Um, I've got a friend who's um, been vegan a long time and her dog's now vegan. And she did a lot of research. And and I've, you know, I've spoken to uh, numerous people. I interviewed Um, a guy that runs one of the biggest vegan pet companies um, in the UK. And um, dogs do not need meat. They're not wolves. They're not living in the wild. They've been domesticated for, you know, hundreds of years. And they've adapted to eat what we eat, basically. Uh, But what led me to do this was the fact that my um, dog, who's called Charlie, and he's a Cocker Spaniel, and he's very, very handsome. He was overweight, Mm -hmm. and he was constantly getting stomach problems. And I ended up at the emergency vets on Easter Sunday, which is not something you want to be doing. No. Um, (laughs) Expensive, I can imagine. It was expensive. It was over £300. Luckily, we had insurance. But, you know, it it just didn't feel right anymore. And I thought, you know what, I'm feeding him this, this food. And I just don't, I just felt in my heart, it was right that he would be better on a vegan food. So um, I spoke to my friend, she told me what she'd switched her dog to. It's, um, it's a product called Yara. And it's like bio organic. Um, I thought it would be really expensive. I've actually done a price comparison and it's 37 pounds for 10 kilograms whereas the food I was feeding him before was 40 pounds for 15 kilograms so it is slightly more expensive but he is like a different dog really yeah so he was got he got to the stage where he was unable to run up the stairs we live in a three-story house so this was bad news (laughs) our our lounge is on the first floor so I was constantly having to run down try and help him up 
he's 10 now. So I was thinking, this is, this is it. He's got arthritis. This is the end of his life. Um, the vet did say he was overweight and he would be better on a, on a low fat food. I said, I told them I was, you know, thinking of, um, changing him to a vegan diet. And to my surprise, they said, well, let me know what food you're going to change him to, because lots of our, our clients, um, are asking about it. So how exciting. Wow. How interesting Um, that there's such a, an, you know, a market for it already as well. I know. I mean, I know Lewis Hamilton, um, he had two bull, I think British bulldogs and one died. And at that point he switched his, um, other dog to a vegan diet and said what a difference he'd noticed. But I can honestly say Charlie has had a new lease of life. He's running around, he's doing things that he hasn't done for ages. He's got no stomach problems. He's lost weight. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. And funnily enough, there's been a, um, a study just, just, uh, released that says 29% of 18 to 24 year olds say they may, may feed their dogs a vegetarian diet. 56% say they would consider flexitarianism for their dog. Two out of five of the nation's pet dogs could soon follow a mostly plant-based diet. So this is amazing. This is from uh, research by fresh pet food platform Vet Chef. So, you know, this is obviously the way to go. It's amazing. And I guess when you think about it, it isn't a surprise that the effect on Charlie should be so big, given we've seen it for ourselves in our own bodies and other people, humans who have turned to veganism. But um, to see it so evidently in a dog as well is amazing. Yeah, I think the turning point for me as well was a few years ago when um, my mum heard about some chickens that needed rescuing and she had some space. A lot of her chickens had died of old age. So we went down to this um, egg farm. It was free range and local. And I thought, well, this is going to be lovely. There's, you know, we'll just pick up a few chickens that will be running around in the farmyard. Mm. Um no, that is not the reality. It's a business. Uh, thousands and thousands of chickens in a shed. Um, some of them, probably about five, were running around outside. I don't really know how that can still be classed as free range, but it is. Um, and basically what happens is when the chickens get to a certain age, which is actually still very young, they're not obviously laying as many. I mean, they're still laying, they're still laying mm. plenty of eggs, but they weren't laying as many eggs. So they all get carted off to slaughter. So they, they offer up the chickens for sale for the same price as they'd get for slaughter, which I think is one pound 50 a chicken or something like that. Oh, bless them. Um, and these chickens go off, you know, if they're not rescued by someone like my mum, they go off to slaughter and that they're used as things like dog food. So, wow. I'm thinking, okay, so actually my money is is funding things like this. And I mean, my mum's got all the chickens now. They're just so happy and live, you know, laying, you know, she's got eggs. I mean, my mum's vegetarian, not vegan. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's my news for the week. <laughs> I think that's an, another huge positive of uh, veganism and, and choosing to adopt a vegan diet is that it does in general for the most part, for most people, make you a bit more of an all-round conscious citizen. And 
once you've kind of found your rhythm with your own diet, you do start to look at other parts of your lifestyle where you can be a bit kinder to the environment, whether that's kind of sustainability, recycling, what you wear, and then, you know, like you, what your your family pets eat. So fascinating. Yeah. Bless Charlie. <laughs> Yay, Charlie, he's vegan. <laughs> <laughs> so should we chat about a couple of the products that are newly launched that we've been reviewing? Um, first of all, Cauldron have some new products out. They've got a pressed tofu with Italian herbs and tomato, which is two pounds, um, and some tandoori bites, which are two pound twenty-five, and also some Greek style cubes that are like feta cheese. Um, so I I tried the tofu this week. Did you, Gabriella? Did you? Because they sent re- like a recipe box, didn't they, for us to cook with? They did. They sent a lovely uh, recipe box to to make use of the tofu with. So um, I think, Holly, I saw you share on Instagram the exact same lunch that I was having. Uh, (laughs) Lovely caramelized onion pasta dish with it. What did you think? Yeah, it was really yummy. When I first saw the tofu, I thought, oh, I don't know. It's got all these herbs. I mean, not that I sound really like I'm really picky, but I don't know. I'm just not used to. Do you know what? I like to mess with my tofu myself I don't yeah. like it messed with and often you know they've started I think it's great that companies are starting to um you know bring out all these products where tofu is perhaps breaded or flavored but I was a bit like oh it's got all these herbs in sort of infused with it and I wasn't sure about the smell once I baked it um, I think the instructions were to fry it, but I baked it instead just because I always try to avoid oil. Otherwise, <laughs> don't worry, listeners, I fried it. I covered up the frying pan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. OK, so we can compare notes on that. Well, I baked it and it went really firm and slightly crispy. And actually, yeah, with the pasta and the sauce and everything, really delicious. Yeah, I fried it and it was a really, really nice texture. You didn't have to to press it or anything. It was nice and firm before um, and was a really nice idea, I think, from, from the team at Cauldron to, to think about putting it like that as kind of slices on top of pasta. I wouldn't usually think to have tofu in that way. Um, and actually, from a texture perspective, they worked really well from a personal perspective I probably could have upped the flavor a little bit more um, and maybe cooked it in the pan with some extra herbs or garlic myself Um, but for a quick easy weeknight meal frying or baking that off and then cooking off some lovely tomato fresh pasta or linguine was was really nice yeah it was really tasty what did you think of the tandoori bites really good quite an interesting texture um I expected them to be more I suppose like falafel but they had a slightly different texture for me um these I found were much bigger on flavor than the tofu but that's not necessarily a surprise um and I have them warm again a really good option to have them for lunch I think to have them with uh, kind of pita breads and yogurt and mint um was a really nice nice lunch option how about you yeah they're kind of almost the texture of meatballs aren't they rather than falafel I thought um yeah like you say when they're in a pitta with all the dressings and everything some salad um yeah such a good weekday option 
Um, the same with the Greek style cubes. These are like little cubes of feta in oil. Um, really good with a the salad. They're quite soft, not maybe as firm as feta, but um, a few sort of seeds on top and a nice like Greek salad, which I used to love pre-vegan days, mm. um, especially when I was in Greece. <laughs> I have I have travelled <laughs> many months <laughs> ago. Um, yeah, I remember being on a beach eating a huge Greek salad, which was just amazing. Anyway, uh... <laughs> back to the room, Holly. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm sun-starved right now so badly. Um, <laughs> yeah, so really exciting to see these new products from Colgen. Um, next, we were sent something really interesting. It's called Yondu, and I've seen it around quite a lot now. And I kept thinking, what on earth is Yondu? So mm. I replied to the, the PR and just said, you know, can you set, send us some, please? We really need to try this. And they kind of refer to it as veg, vegetable umami. Um, and you can use it in so many different ways. It's made from organic fermented soybeans, so good for the gut, along with vegetable stock. So onion, radish, leek, cabbage, carrot, turkey, ginger, it's all in there, garlic. Um, and it's organic, which is amazing. And, oh, my God, I tried a bit. It just took me back to, have you ever had curry sauce from a Chinese? Of course. I'm gutted that I can't get it as easily as I used to be able to because they're hardly ever vegan yeah I mean I have not had that for, for since my teens so I wouldn't even know what what's in the Chinese uh curry sauce but <laughs> I used to have it with chips and the first thing I thought of was this um was this flavor I mean it's amazing you can use it as a dressing with a little bit of lemon juice and olive oil which I did today for lunch in a wrap on some tofu oh so good and then you can yeah you can use it in pasta like mushroom risotto there's so many uses for it yeah I was really impressed with how many uses actually and like you say it's really good for you with all those veggies and then the the fermented soybeans so good for the gut but um yeah using it they suggested either making a broth which is great for we cook a lot of noodle and ramen based dishes so nice idea to add it to that um, and then even in kind of pasta sauces or cooking your pasta or sauteing veg- vegetables. So um, I think it's really worth having a bottle in just to take the flavour of your, your home cooking up a notch. I, yeah, I um, I think it's a, a new vegan staple, definitely. It's £6.88 at Amazon or the Yondu website. And it's definitely going to be one of my store cupboard staples from now on. Okay, well, thank you so much for listening. That is our last episode of No Meat May. We hope you've enjoyed listening this month. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Vegan Food and Living and at Simply Vegan Podcast. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook. Um, And you can listen to the podcast on any of the um, your usual podcast platforms. We're on iTunes where you can leave us a review or you can just shout at your smart speaker to play the Simply Vegan podcast. Don't go anywhere. Next up, I'll be speaking to Lisa Gawthorne, who is just lovely. She is all about the animals, um, super, super fit. She shares um, some of her kind of nutrition tips and and what kind of diet she follows to keep on top of her game. She's a runner and an athlete. Um, but yeah, she's uh, she's a real am- animal lover, so we got on very well. So keep listening, and we'll see you soon.
Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm really thrilled to have you on the show today, actually, because um, I interviewed uh, you back when I was editor of Simply Vegan magazine. I don't know if you remember that a few years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Simply Vegan was the sister title to Vegan Food and Living magazine. And sadly, it closed um, last March when COVID um, sadly hit. Um, But now we're back with a podcast, so it's not all bad. Um, I also um, connect with you on LinkedIn and I I sort of really enjoy all your posts because I think we're both fellow animal lovers, aren't we? We are indeed. Absolutely. Yeah. So should we start at the beginning and, and discuss, you know, what led you to veganism? When did you discover it? Yeah, for sure. So I um, I actually turned vegan back in 2003, but I had been uh, veggie, vegetarian since 1987, actually, uh, when I actually decided to um, stop eating meat at age six. Um, and that was after um, actually reading a, a petal leaflet that came through the door with a local newspaper. Um, so kind of direct mail does work because I'm a, a great example of that, that <laughs> message yeah, hitting home. Um, so, yeah, at the age of six, I, I made that connection and basically told my parents that I no longer wanted to eat anything that was once an animal. Because uh, once I'd made that connection, um, I just told my mum and dad, you know, I love animals too much to eat them. So I think at first they thought a little bit of a fad. We'll see if, we, if you know, if she kind of eats it. And then when I started um, proving that I wasn't going to eat it, then we, we all worked together to, to look for alternatives, et cetera. But over the years of being vegetarian, I actually always wanted to turn vegan. Um, so when I actually turned vegan in 2003, I did that because I was waiting for enough products to be on the market to make it um, particularly easy for me as an athlete um, to be able to get by with, it, with the diet side of things. But looking back at it now, if I'm completely honest, I was pretty much vegan most of my life anyway because I never used to eat cheese or eggs so it was only really about swapping out the milk and the butter um, which were really easy to do and, and were very easy to swap out with the the amount of alternatives that are on the market um, and just ensuring that was there was a clean protein side of things for me so um, I feel like I've been vegan my whole life already to be honest with you because uh, it just seems so long ago when uh, when I can't even remember what the taste of meat is like yeah <laughs> what was it like growing up as a you know a vegan a vegetarian did you used to get kind of stick when you're at school or yeah I think it's funny I think you know everyone will probably agree with this that children can be quite cruel and um, certainly at school um I was a little bit of like you know the odd one out and I think back then uh, when I was in primary school you know people just kind of thought a vegetarian was a hippie um so I was always called the hippie kid or the hippie child etc um but you know I think that coming out of primary school and going into secondary school and certainly onto uni, it, it gets a little bit easier. And what I do find is um, friends and family, and particularly work colleagues, actually, they've always been very curious. And I think over the years, once you get back past that stigma of someone thinking that, you know, you're a tree-hugging, sandal-wearing kind of hippie, which unfortunately a lot of people think you are, and there's nothing wrong with that, by the way, but once you get past that kind of... Um, preconception I generally find that people are quite curious and they tend to just have the same questions as well in terms of you know well what do you eat in a normal day and where do you get your protein from it's the same questions that tend to come up year in year out um and and a lot of people over the years even when I was younger used to say but you're very disciplined um you know to do this you know to go to kids parties and to not have the sausage rolls and things like that but you know it's funny for me I've never actually felt that veganism and a vegan diet is a disciplined way of life because for me it's always felt 
so totally natural because my mind just doesn't compute that an animal can possibly be food. And I think that because I love animals so much and I never want to see any harm done to them, it just doesn't feel disciplined to me. It just feels totally natural. Um, and that is that is really nice because I think that if you've got that natural affinity, uh, which you have yourself, Holly, I know, and uh, there's quite a few other people that have it in the industry, then I think you've become quite a good beacon of light for other people that are generally vegan curious as well. Um, you know, I've lost sort of I've lost count of the amount of people that have come up to me in the last couple of years, particularly since the dawn of the conspiracies like um, you know, kind of cowspiracy and game changers. Um, that have asked me for, for help to, to transition and what I used to do at this part when it was first transitioning over. And that for me is really kind of, it's a massive level of satisfaction you get from that to know that someone trusts you and enough to come to you and ask you about things. And even mums come to me and ask me about transitioning their children and asking me what I used to eat when I was a child as well. And I think that that's lovely um, <clears throat> that people feel open to be able to to come along so it's been a bit of a spectrum really a little bit of the cruelty in the early days but certainly a lot of understanding as the years have gone on yeah that really um really resonates with me actually saying that you know once you kind of see the meat on your plate or on a buffet table or whatever as you know for what it is um and once you've kind of opened that door to veganism and seen what's what goes on it's not you don't look at it in the same way you don't think oh I'm missing out um, yeah. I think as well, when you change your way of cooking, you see see it differently. I don't see it that I cut out anything from my diet. I just use different foods that I didn't used to eat, such as pulses and things in different ways and kind of uh, getting clever with vegetables and things like that. So, I mean, you mentioned you're very much motivated by, you know, animal welfare. Um, what are your views on animal activism? Is it something that you've ever got involved with or would get involved with? Yeah, I mean, it, in terms of it on a holistic basis, I am very much for it because, you know, in a world where animals have no voice, I think it's honourable and, and necessary for us to be as loud as, as we can for them to be considered. So that can definitely be achieved through community and from, from a peaceful protest point of view um, to bring, you know, these important matters to, to the forefront of people's minds. And, you know, Petter and um, Animal Rebellion and Vegan, we have all been doing a great job of that, which has been fantastic to see. I myself have actually been on quite a few marches in the past, um, actually quite local to where I live. I used to go on the hair coursing marches um, around Liverpool, um, which, you know, were really upsetting to, to have to do. But um, it was part of my growth, I think, into veganism to try and get closer to to the grassroots level of um, of trying to educate people against things. And I've also been on a couple of marches as well um, in and around Liverpool and Manchester and London. And I do think that it's um it's important particularly if you've got um a presence whether it's in business or in social media or in the press if you've got a presence that you can kind of uh, work to your advantage with regards to activism um i think that it's good for spread spreading the, the message a little bit further so over the last six months i've been working quite closely with the humane league um uk um to push some of their messages so i've been doing some video blogging for them um that we share across social media um, and also working with them a little bit across their Facebook and Twitter as well, which I've um, you know I've really enjoyed. And it is painful to to read uh, the statistics of of what you're being an activist against, but it's also uh, part of the journey that you know it's if you really want to understand it and you want to try and educate people. Um, I do think that it's that it's something that you need to do. I think that when you mention the word vegan um, to a lot of people, I think there is still this old school 
um, kind of perception that, oh, you're going to go on marches and you're going to be ramming it down the throat and you're going to be dead angry. There are some people that, that, that have that approach just because it's the way that they process it. Um, but obviously, from, from my experience, it tends to be that the softer approach and the, and the approach kind of focusing in on the positivity uh, tends to kind of uh, win people's hearts and minds in the, in the longer run. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the the worry, isn't it? Because I, you know, I've never been on a march or anything like that, but I I would love to. Um, but it yeah. is, yeah, you kind of worry that everyone's going to think, oh, here she goes, you know, um, trying to, you know, shove her views down, down everyone's throats <laughs> and things like that. <laughs> Absolutely. So athletics, let's talk about that because you, you've, I mean, you've achieved an awful lot, haven't you, in your athletics career so far? Was it sort of fairly young age you got into athletics? Um, I wouldn't say fairly young. So I started uh, running actually university years, um, so back in the early 2000s. Um, and that was really in the early days to, to reduce my anxiety. So um, I actually didn't join a local running club, uh, Liverpool Pembroke 7, until 2007. Um, and what I did then is I just kept on kind of plugging away with the aim of getting faster and fitter. Um, and I did that through a variety of means, which which tended to be um, track and field competitions and also cross-country racing as well. And then in 2016, um, after picking up a bit of an injury on my knee and rehabbing, I wanted to join um, a triathlon um, group. So that really to kind of combine my love of running and cycling together. So since 2016 and um, competing in various duathlons, I've actually been successfully placed on my age group um, in Team GB for um, duathlon, which is run, bike, run rather than run, bike, swim. And for the last five years, I've been doing both the European and the World Championship circuits for duathlon, which has been absolutely fantastic. Um, And over the last three years, I've also ran for England in my age group uh, on road running and also on cross country. Um, and I'm a bronze British master's medalist for 5k uh, and last year I, I came back from October from Madeira in October as the European age group champion uh, for 10k with the gold medal for G, uh, team GB as well plus two further silvers for the team um, so I think what I am is I'm proof that even if you don't like sports at school and even if you're not that good at school I've got to be honest when I was at school um, I was at a fairly um, strict grammar school and it was all about netball and hockey both of which I hated with a passion. Um, so I'm proof that um, even if you don't really get on with sports in school, and unfortunately for me, athletics wasn't really pushed down the grammar school that I was in, you know, as a late starter. Um, and only finding uh, running in, in my uni years, it's just proved that, you know, you don't have to really attack it at that early stage. Yes, of course, if you want to be the best, it's better to go early. But um, if you're only discovering it in, in later years, then that's that's fine too. Um, and combining it with with gym, really, I've always been a gym bunny and I've always been in and out of gyms all my life. Um, and now I incorporate all my gym workouts with all my athletics workouts just to keep me um, strong for, from a strength and performance point of view as well. An amazing advocate for um, veganism as well. You know, you're you're sort of at the top of your game, but and eating a, a vegan diet. What kind of foods do you eat to support your health and fitness and your training regimes? So I actually um, a lot of veggies and a lot of fruit because I find that they um, they top up my antioxidant levels really well and they keep my immune system very strong. So every day I'll always have things like blueberries, apples and bananas in my diet um, and all my um, 
meals that I have, I try and mix them up with kale and spinach and broccoli and all those kind of important things. I think protein-wise, which is always what everyone's favourite question is with, mm-hmm. with the uh, area of vegan diet, I think yeah. um, I tend to try and mix that up. So I have things like tofu, um, satan, tempeh, um, beans, uh, jackfruit, etc. And then I just make sure that post-exercise or post-hard training um, session, I'll, I'll make sure that I've got a good protein source and I'll mix that up with some clean carbs like sweet potato um, or brown rice or quinoa Um, and then I also incorporate good fats into my diet as well because they're just important so I tend to have a lot of nuts and seeds and in particular flaxseed along with things like avocados and what I tend to do each day is I eat three main meals during the day but then in between those three main meals I'll also have three snacks so it's kind of like six sorts of sessions a day um, and that works really well for me because um, with all the training that I do, I do get hungry quite a lot of the time. Um, it keeps my metabolism going and it certainly gives me good performance with regards to uh, doing the best that I can. And, and, and that along with measuring um, my macros and, and my nutrients um, on my fitness pal, um, I think works really well for me. So I can see kind of the kind of foods that are really good for performance and the foods that uh, help with their uh, strength and things like that. So um normally you'll just if you're in my uh if you're in my company I'll always be eating <laughs> that's all I say <laughs> sadly I'm the same but I'm not an athlete <laughs> I'm just sitting at a desk all day so um yeah I have, I've found I've piled on the pounds a little bit during lockdown I think we all have well not you but a lot of listeners might um might relate to that um do you do a lot of research into nutrition then you said about using my fitness pal do you sort of read up on it a lot yeah um i mean i'm a qualified vegan nutritionist as well um so i studied for that a few years ago i'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to anything health fitness and nutrition related so i tend to research any new foods that come out in the market and particularly supplements as well to see what benefits they've got i like to keep up to date with, with new recipes um which obviously vegan food and living and etc are really good for um, new products, new supplements, I'm always trying to keep on top of because I, I kind of find it fascinating really to, to, to try these things and see what they do for me very uh, on a functional basis. So I tend to try and eat clean and I tend to try and eat functionally, but it's very important as well that I enjoy the food that I eat because there's nothing worse than thinking that everything is hard work and that, you know, the, the food that you've eaten isn't very um, kind of delicious. So I tend to try and as much as I can during the week, I will eat as clean as I can. Um, during the weekend and the weekends I do relax it a little bit um, but I, I tend to stick to a rule of thinking to myself is the food delicious and is it serving a purpose um, and I had to do a lot of research on on different food groups and benefits to those food groups um, being in your diet when you're an athlete particularly for when I wrote the fitness book uh, back in uh, 2012 I think it was gone in uh, gone in 60 minutes and as well as uh, being able to write for for quite a few magazines as well um, it's important that I keep up to date with the with the fresh learnings on the market. And I do find it interesting. So, yeah, I'm a bit of a nerd with, with regards to all things nutrition. I mean, do you take supplements then? Would you recommend vegans to take them? Yeah, I mean, you know, supplements, I always say it's not really just a vegan specific thing. Um, I always say no matter, you know, how clean your diet and how wholesome your diet is, what's the harm in topping things up? Um, to me, you know, I think everyone should be at least taking a multivitamin um, to keep them themselves safeguarded throughout the year and their, their immune system safeguarded. And now I'm also a big proponent of uh, vitamin B. Now I'm not necessarily vitamin B12, but vitamin B complex. 
um, because I think that everyone gets so fixated with B12 when actually there's a lot of other B uh, vitamins that are really good for energy anyway, particularly if you've got quite an active lifestyle. Um, and obviously D3 has been in the news a lot recently with regards to immunity um, and trying to keep yourself um, fit and, and not get things like COVID, etc. So I'd say they were probably my top three at the moment. That If someone came to me and said, you know, what are the kind of things that you would definitely say to incorporate? I'd be saying looking at multivits, um, B-complex and, and a D3. And, you know, that, that's a really good place to start. Do you find you ever get ill? I mean, I find since because I've, I've only been vegan sort of three and a half years now, but I, I've... I think I've been ill maybe twice in that time. Yeah. I be ill every winter. Yeah, definitely. I think very rarely. I think it's funny even seeing the difference between being vegetarian and vegan as well. I think um, when I was vegetarian, obviously, because there was a little bit more dairy in my diet, um, that was, um, it kind of set off my allergies, I think. And it kind of, um, it wasn't great for my skin. And I did have a few more coughs and colds and things like that. So I think that all vegans would agree with us that because we're having Obviously, if you're a junk food vegan, this doesn't apply to you. But if you're obviously having a wholesome diet, um, the likelihood is that, you know, you're going to be getting, um, you know, much fewer attacks of illness and things like that and coughs and colds. And when it does come along, it kind of shocks you because you're like, hang on, I'm never ill. What's happening? Um, So, yeah, I can't remember the last time I was off work with with any kind of illness, to be honest, which is it's a nice thing to be able to uh, say. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Well, I mean, you live a pretty busy life then. So, you're, I mean, are you training on a daily basis? What's your training routine like? Yeah, so I train six days a week. Um, it, it's it's kind of it's a mental battle with me to have the seventh day of rest because I'm always thinking about well, I could do this and I could do that. So, but I do try and respect that and uh, and get a little bit of recovery in, which I think is important. But of those six days, um, three of those are double days. Um, so that will either be a run session with um, a weight session or a bike session with a weight session. Um, and then the other three days are, are, are very much just either running or bikes. And everything is set out. I have um, a bike coach, um, Ian Roberts at Prime Triathlon, um, who does everything for me with regards to setting out all of my um, bike regimes. And pretty much with regards to running, I run I run my own sessions now. I've, I've been running for so long that I know what I need to be doing. So, you know, Tuesdays I'll be doing 800s. Friday, Thursday or Fridays I'll be doing 400s. Um, and then uh, the rest of the week I'll be doing kind of steady state stuff and things like that. So it very much is a mix of interval stuff, steady state stuff, and then weight training as well. And in between all this, you somehow fit in running <laughs> company. <laughs> founder or CEO of uh, Bravera Foods aren't you? Yeah so I started the company back in 2011 with uh, my business partner Carl um, and it was very much to uh, it was it was a specific thing that I wanted to do because I wanted to address the noticeable gaps in the market in particular vegan sweets um, and vegan impulse snacks and options. I was sick of not being not being able to get that many options out there. So we started Bravura to really create and to distribute some of those things that we knew were, were missing from the shelves out there. Um, and we've got quite a lot of really funky products in our range, everything from vegan licorice to, to vegan marshmallows and gummy bears and biscuits and healthy spreads. And we even do CBD drinks now as well. And all of our products are certified by uh, the Vegan Society. So we have some brands within the business that we own ourselves, like Peanut Hottie, um, and Leaf Life and Free Farm Fellows. And then we're also distributors, leading distributors for uh, the likes of Panda Licorice, uh, Vegan Bakery and, and Freedom Confectionery. And we've got a great little team uh, in the business. We're all very passionate 
about what we do. We're very super proud uh, to have witnessed the growth of, um, let's say these were very artisan small brands to begin with many moons ago. And then it's been quite a nice journey to watch them really transition out of the health food trade into to multiple pharmacy, into to grocery, into all the supermarket sectors, um, and to see them really being on the shelf now of, of most supermarkets in the UK. Um, so it's great. It's um, it's stressful, as with any business. Um, it's a very stressful scenario running your own business, but what I, was, I wouldn't do anything else because I think if you can find a business where you're harnessing your own passion, um, you know, which for me obviously all comes down to the roots of veganism, then it doesn't feel like you're working um, on many days. It just feels like, you know, you're pushing your dream and things like that. So uh, it's been um, it's been an extraordinary 10 years. Um, and yeah, we're looking forward to the future with, with many more launches and hopefully identifying more gaps out there for, for vegans that shop in the category. Yeah, your um, vegan marshmallows have saved me on multiple occasions when my daughter's uh, <laughs> been like, you know, I can't have these, they've got gelatine in. So yeah, um, I think they sell them in Holland and Barrett, don't they? And Yeah, yeah, and Sainsbury's as well. Sainsbury's. Um, have you noticed a huge uplift since, well, obviously over the past two or three years, I'd imagine, but has COVID affected sales? Yeah, I mean, at first, I think we went into a bit of a panic, with, with, as with many uh, businesses, because we weren't really set up for online distribution. We've always been very much a bricks and mortar um, business. So I think in the early stages, um, we, we did panic because a lot of our customers, um, the likes of TK Maxx and Next, who all buy products from us to put a till point, they had to shut their doors. So it was um, it was a bit of a scary time for us. But at the same time, um, because footfall was slightly up, in the supermarkets because we all couldn't do much other than going to the supermarket <laughs> and going to the supermarket was a day out for people. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of increase in footfall brought with it a lot of their interest into, into vegan products. So we did see um, a, a real good uplift, particularly for our um, Free From Fellows brands, uh, which is sugar-free, gelatin-free and gluten-free. Um, and that's been nice to see. And then during that time, that's allowed us to also build our online platform to take advantage of the people and, and the, the many consumers that are now shopping online as well. Mm. Do you think more people are, are choosing to go vegan or cut down on meat and things like that since COVID? Yeah, I do. I think that uh, without a shadow of a doubt, I think that lockdown has given people a chance to really look at their lifestyles and to consider potential improvements. I mean, I, I saw this only yesterday. I was trying to get hold of um, a new bike to upgrade my bike. And all the bike shops in the Northwest, they're completely out of stock of bikes. And they're telling me they can't get models in until next year. And that is because everybody in lockdown has decided, you know what, I want to be fitter. I want to start doing general daily exercise. And it's also made them, it's given them more time to explore the vegan fixtures and to think about, well, let's have a meatless Monday uh, or a plant-based Thursday. Uh, you know, there's been a definite rise in, in flexitarianism um, and plant-based eating, all of which is good because normally that ends up helping with the transition to, to more people taking uh, the step to go vegan. And, you know, you only have to look at Veganuary this year. You know, 582,000 people um, signed up to Veganuary this year, um, which is their biggest ever year. And... Um, 40% of those have said that they're going to continue with the diet. So without shadow of a doubt, this year it's been, um, and last year has been hugely important to, to the vegan numbers. And it's going to be interesting to see future research come out to show this big kind of uh, increase that's happened uh, over time, uh, over the last two years, and, and how so many people, are, it's made them think, Do you know what, I've got to, 
look at my immune system and look at what I'm putting into my body to make sure that I can try and hopefully reduce or eliminate the, the, the chances of me picking something up. Yeah, I think it's really sort of going to have a long lasting effect, isn't it? And hopefully a lot of positives can come from it. Yeah. Um, so it, this will be airing during uh, No Meat May. So for anyone who's doing that for, for um, the month of May or, you know, new to veganism, what tips would you offer them? I would say, um, and I think this is really important for for anyone, um, no matter how you feel, whether you want to go vegan overnight um, or whether you're willing to work uh, with a nutritionist or even on your set on your own to look at research, don't put too much <clears throat> pressure on yourself to have to change everything within 24 hours because you have to give yourself time to shop the fixtures out there and you have to give yourself time to find your favorite products. Um, more often than not, a lot of people can be put off by veganism because they've potentially had one bad experience with a product and they've thought, oh, I can't eat that. And that's what all vegan products taste like. And it's not, I can assure you, it's not. Having been vegan now for 18 years, yes, there have been times when I've eaten products and I've thought, my God, that's awful. <laughs> but for every time that's happened, there's been 20 to 30 products that have been absolutely awesome. So I would say just don't put too much pressure on yourself to try and do it so, so quickly and actually put yourself into a scenario where you say to yourself, OK, well, maybe week one, I'll look at the alternatives to milk. Maybe week two, I'll look at the alternatives to butter. Then you can start to look at your alternatives to chicken or fish or whatever it is. And you can stage it out so that over a succession of six to 10, 12 weeks, you've done that final transition. And also what I've found is people that have done that are much more likely to stay with the diet in the long term rather than quickly changing, having a couple of bad experiences and then changing back or finding that they've fallen off the bandwagon. So I would say take the pressure off yourself, give yourself time. And you know what? Above anything, enjoy it because, as you've said, there's nothing better than getting creative in the kitchen with things that, you know, you can't believe that you can, you know, make steaks from cauliflower. You know, wow. What You know, you know, all these amazing things that you can do now. Um, you know, I make cookies using chickpea dough. Um, it's unbelievable the things that you can do. So um, just give yourself time to enjoy it. And it will be a whole new positive world that you'll thoroughly enjoy. Such good advice. Um, I think we're so lucky now, aren't we? Because, you know, we've got new products coming onto the shelves literally weekly um so yeah definitely if you if you try a few different sausages or a few different plant milks and you think oh no definitely not for me just keep keep trying because there are so many brands going back to sort of our love of animals let's just finish on a (laughs) let's give a shout out Um, what what do you think listeners can do to sort of help um, other than going vegan and perhaps trying to gently persuade others to go vegan, what can people do to make a difference to, you know, like you say, animals with, that don't have a voice? Yeah, I think um, if you've done the, if you if you're using social media first as a bit of a platform to to spread the positive messages, I think that's a good way to start. I think positivity should be the, the over overarching kind of theme to it. Um, but I would also say. Um, Take some time out to look locally to where you live at the local animal rescue um, centres. So there's one that's local to me called Freshfield Animal Rescue. Um, And a couple of years ago, um, I did some um, fundraisers for them. And fundraisers can actually be really, really interesting things where you learn a lot about yourself, particularly if you take on challenges that 
a, a really you know big challenge so one of the things well two of the things that I did was I did a walk on hot coals and I abseiled down uh, Liverpool Anglican Cathedral which is 164 um so number one I was scared of walking on fire number two I've got a terrible fear of height so I put myself right out there and did these two challenges and because everybody knew that it was, it was a big challenge to me I managed to raise a hell of a lot of money uh for, for this local uh, animal rescue center um and they're really good because they put up um updates over what it's done like it's bought a new uh, a pig pen or it's bought some new um kind of food for the dogs or whatever it may be um and even things like just taking pet food donations to local food charities or towels or old papers that they may use for hedgehogs etc and volunteering really to, to, to these amazing sanctuaries where you know you'll meet other like-minded individuals that are working for nothing just to just to look after animals and to, to really give them that kind of benevolence lift in life that, that, that we often need um I think all of that really does make a huge difference and it, it might be just a hedgehog sanctuary down the road that you like I say that you drop off some 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 papers for or that you do a, a 5k for but I think definitely trying to stick to something local will give you a a real tangible kind of sense of achievement and also um it'll put you up there as a bit of a community spokesperson a community leader because you know more often than not these these businesses these animal sanctuaries are very very uh, well linked to to community leaders as well so i think that it's good for you to have that kind of presence within your local area as well well you've certainly inspired me i don't know if i'll do the abseiling but you know perhaps <laughs> perhaps i should uh, perhaps our listeners should challenge me to something <laughs> well, it's been amazing speaking to you at last lisa thank you so much for joining us oh it's been a pleasure thank you for having me on the show I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. That's it from me until next week when I'll be speaking to vegan PT Catherine Short from Raw for Fitness, who will be sharing her expertise on plant-based weight loss. In the meantime, head over to veganfoodandliving.com for all the latest vegan news. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. 
To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. <laughs> 